1: Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Now, every now and then, I have to give Professor Gershon a gift. It's a show about his favorite topic, the IRS code. So this is your chance to ask probing questions about IRAs, making charitable contributions, other kinds of tax deductions. I would like to introduce Professor Richard Gershen. He is currently the professor of law at the University of Mississippi School of Law. He was the dean previously he has taught legal profession wills and estates tax policy and estate planning seminar Family Law and Intro to Law for the Honors College. He's also taught estate and gift taxation, federal income taxation, professional responsibility, and Property One and Two, which I still have no idea what this property business is, so we need to make that a show one time. At Charleston School of Law, Professor Gershon was the founding dean and also a professor of law, and at Texas Wesleyan University. School of Law. He was also a professor of law and the dean. We are talking about tax law today because these are laws, and and in legal terms, we do talk about laws. Before the show started, Professor Gershon and I were talking about how taxes is how the government is funded. If we want the government to take care of our water supply if we want the government to take care of our uh, safety if we want the government to take care of our old people all that happens because we pay in our taxes We're going to be discussing the IRS tax law. And if you want a fun website to poke around on, I've got a suggestion that really could lead you down so many rabbit holes. That'll be next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. is In Legal Terms. Now not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live, so if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is Professor Richard Gershen from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. If you've got time to spare and want some answers from the source... IRS.gov. That's the Internal Revenue Service's website with answers to so, so, so many questions. And not just about taxes, but they also have information about identity theft, civil rights, and whistleblowers. This morning, we're talking about the IRS tax code with our expert, Professor Richard Gershon. So, Professor Gershon, you have a uh, fantastic resume on that introduction.
3: Well, you know, if you live long enough, in there, you, could, you, you you do things, and then, you know, the resume is just kind of a chronicling all of it. It's only because I've been around for a long time. But it's great to be here with you this morning, and i um, really happy to be talking about taxes. I do have to give the usual disclaimer that uh, people uh, shouldn't tax and drive because it may cause drowsiness, but uh, I certainly love the topic and uh, I'm
1: happy that we're talking about it because it's time for people to start thinking Right, Right. you bet yeah, it, uh, tax time comes up sooner than we think and you want to be prepared you want to have all of your information in one place so uh, let's go for dates sometimes it kind of floats but it's usually around April 15th but what's going on this sh- next year?
3: Well, you know, we, uh, it, we had an extension last year because because of COVID. And so far, 2020 taxes, Congress actually pushed back the date. But for this year, it's about the same regular date. April 18th, 2022 is the, is the day for filing the tax return. That's that's on Monday. So that's why uh, it's, it's April 18. Um, but, you know, I know that people sometimes get behind on uh, doing their taxes. So you can get an automatic extension. Uh, until October 15th of 2022, uh, and uh, that is an extension to file your tax return. And you should you should file for that extension, but they will give you an automatic extension with no late filing fee uh, for that. No penalty for that extension.
1: But that is a piece of paper you have to mail in, send in, e in to say, hey wait, hey wait, my records aren't ready. I can't file. On April 18th, but you you do have to file an extension, right?
3: Right, extension. I mean, they, the truth is, they would give you that automatic extension, uh, and you know they're they're pretty well swamped anyway. But, but when you when you ask for that extension, when you move back your filing date to October 15th, the IRS typically then has three years, from the day you actually file, to uh, audit your return, and to uh, yeah, that's the statute of limitations, three years. From the, date the return is actually filed. So if you file it later, uh, that gives them three years from that date as opposed to three years from April 18th. It's better, it's better to file a time if you can, and and if you just start getting prepared now, uh, that should be uh, certainly doable.
1: So here I am. I'm getting ready to get my paperwork ready, but, you know, oops, something happened right before I was about to file, and I don't have my paperwork ready so I file an extension to say you know, because I don't have my information ready, but I still need to make sure those taxes are paid in.
3: That's right. I mean, the taxes are due uh, at the end of the year. The taxes are technically due at the end of twenty twenty one, even though your return is not due for twenty twenty one, the twenty twenty one year until April eighteenth of twenty twenty two, and plus the extension as well. But if you don't pay your taxes by the end of the year, you could be subject to a penalty, and that penalty will kick in, uh, in a couple of ways. So There's an underpayment penalty. Uh, if you haven't paid uh, the same amount that you paid last year, so then are going to look at the amount you paid last year, and if you paid the same this year as you did last year, you should avoid the penalty. But uh, also 90%. You should be paying 90% of what you actually owe by the end of the year, and if you don't, then you can have a penalty. So you want to make sure that, um, that you pay your taxes, uh, even though you may have to file uh, later. And so that's why we have uh, estimated taxes. People who, especially if you're not being uh, paid by an employer who's doing withholding, if you're if you're in uh, you your own business or you have a side business in addition to your employment, you may have to pay some estimates, estimated taxes, prepay some taxes um, to be make sure they're on time. And so. Uh, You know, I know uh, my wife does uh, freelance editing, and so we make a tax payment at the end of the year so that we don't have a tax bill, because because she owns our business, she's not uh, not, uh, having anything with help when she gets paid.
1: Now, if you pay your taxes regularly, which we hope folks do, um, and then maybe the, the next year you, for whatever reason, you did great on investments or... Whatever you had a had a good sales year, and you suddenly owes much more than you have in the past. Is talk about is there an underpayment if you paid at least as much as you paid in the past years withheld?
3: Not what, but, but you sure you want to make sure though you're 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 thinking about that because you're going to have to pay that tax at some point, and so we're even if you don't have a penalty for that. What, what gets people in trouble, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, but gets no, trouble, you. what gets people in trouble is they think they're gonna have the money, um and uh and that will uh you know, um you know, because they got they got this money and they 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 think they're gonna have it but then they spend it and then it's time to pay taxes and they don't have it. And that's when they get in trouble. And I knew um someone who made a lot of money in real estate one year, uh, and would always pay the taxes, you know, kinda uh, uh The next year from the previous year, real estate market, but then the real estate market tanked, and so she didn't have the money to pay the taxes back next year, and then she ended up being behind on her taxes, having to pay penalties, interest. So we want to make sure that we're thinking ahead of time about uh, doing some kind of estimated payments if, if we know that we're not having a them.
1: Our number is 1 877 MPB Ring. That's 1 877 672 7464. We are talking about the IRS tax code and we are taking your calls just like we're talking to Dave from Hattiesburg. Dave, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question?
0: Hi, hi, hi. Um, my, my question is uh, that uh, I had uh, I had uh, invested in a private company over 20 years ago, and um, uh, the company is still in business. I've never received any kind of a, a statement or dividends or any kind of money from them. And um, over the years, I've asked my accountant if I could uh, deduct what I feel is some kind of a loss because I put in a lot of money and she said, no, I got to get paperwork from the company and they've never sent me any paperwork. Uh, Two questions then, I guess, Um, is investing in a private company like investing in stock where you can deduct a loss on your IRS and if the company won't give you any paperwork, what would you recommend that I do to find out
3: what my investment is worth today? Those are good questions. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, those are those are good questions. I, you know, one one uh, thing I, I would have to ask is: was is this a corporation? Is it an LLC? Is it a partnership? All all of those uh, uh, business entity forms matter in terms of whether you can take a deduction uh, from that business. If it's a partnership. Uh, or an LLC that is treated as a pass-through entity, has elected to be treated as a pass-through entity, then deductions and income show up on your return every year. Uh, Even if you aren't paid anything, if you're entitled to a deduction, you'll get a portion of the the loss that the company had. If it's a corporation, Uh a typical corporation, then that's not the case. So, you know, when I invest, if I I own shares of Coca-Cola, for example, that's a private company, but um, I, I... if they pay me a dividend, I pay tax on that i won 't but i won 't share in any of the losses they have because that they don 't pass through to the shareholder. The way that mm-hmm. I experience a loss or gain would be I have to sell my interest so my question would have to be what do you have any um, anything that shows that you own an interest in this company I, if you 're invested in it I would imagine as an owner. You would have something, yep. whether it's uh, some ownership interest in an LLC or a partnership. It says you're you you own a partnership interest, or I, uh, you have um, you know certain of stock. I do have, have uh, paperwork that, uh, that shows
0: it's not really. I guess it's not really stock. You know, it's like an LLC or something, and the company is still in business. Um, but what I well, the, you know the only thing I have, and I have. Uh, almost biannually um, letters from the company stating, you know, how well they're doing or how not well they're doing. But the only money part of it was the original investment money um, is stated in documents that I have. But, um, I, if, you know, I'm I'm in my 60s now and if I want to leave it to my children, well, maybe one day it'll grow to something or they'll get bought. But... Um, I in the meantime, you know, if there's a possibility to write off a loss, I'd like to do that. Uh, but I
3: just don't know what the procedure is. Right. It, it, I mean, you really won't, on your ownership interest, if you still own it, you won't be able to write off the loss until you actually sell it. Uh, and if you sell it for less than you paid for it, then you would have what is called a realized loss that would, could be recognized on your tax return. But until so you can with get the, the way our ownership tell, interest,
0: in, go ahead. I'm sorry. Ahead. If, if I can get the company to tell me what what my investment is worth today, uh, then I could. I, I don't. I would like to sell it, but uh, you know, is it worth 50 percent of what it? You know, they, they got to tell me. I guess, and and they're just non reciprocating in, in, in requests that I've written to them, and uh, uh, yeah, I'd like to sell it, and I'd like to write it off, but. And I'd like to get something back, but um, I guess I. Um, what would you recommend that I do to, to get them to get off their duffs and, and
3: send me information on what that investment is worth today? I, I'm kind of surprised they haven't. I, yeah, they may not be able to tell you value, but they should be able to tell you what what their earnings are for the year and what their and and what your percentage of ownership is. Um, yeah,
0: but yeah, it's it's a small percentage. I mean. It's a big company. Uh, I'm I'm less than one percent. It's not, but it was a it was a good twenty five thousand dollar investment. So it's worth enough for me these days that uh, you know if I can sell it even for half, I'll take it. But um, over the years, I've
3: never gotten any kind of information as to what it's worth. Well, if do you one of the things I would recommend to anybody, I can't give you specific advice about your situation because I haven't seen the documents. I don't know anything about the company. But there should be some. If, there's a, if it's an LLC or a partnership, there should be a partnership agreement. There should be an LLC. If they, if they sold shares in an inv- investments, um, they, you know, those things should be registered somewhere. Um, you know, I, I, if it's a big enough company, certainly then uh, there should be uh, you know some regulation of that company. And so I, I would I would um, ask I would ask them for their documents, and you are going to need to probably go to an accountant or a lawyer to help you out with this.
1: Dave, good luck with that. That sounds a little more complex than that. what we're able to help you with on in legal terms. But now it's my turn to ask a question. All right. So, uh, Professor Gershon, my mom passed away uh, this year, and I'm going to be using one of these tax softwares to file her taxes, as I've done in the past. And she had um, stocks in her home designated as transferable upon death and she had beneficiaries on her retirement accounts uh, she she was comfortable but not a, a multi-millionaire is there going to be a big estate tax
3: no I mean I, I, I haven't seen the estate but I'm going to bet no because right uh, as, as in 2021 she would have to have more than 11 million dollars in taxable estate. Uh, And I kind of doubt that because that is um, really, we're probably one in a thousand estates uh, is at that level. So unlikely. Um, So the estate tax really doesn't apply to most of us. That is a tax on the transmission of wealth to the next generation. Now, the next question is what about income tax and the stock and the home Will not be uh, taxable because um, I guess death and taxes are inevitable, but we try to separate them. So anything you inherit uh, from someone is not considered income uh, for uh, for you to report. Again, yeah, by the way, we, you and I have talked about this. I'm sorry about your mom, and I know that that was not easy. But one thing that um, um, that you don't have to worry about is the stock coming into you taxable. And in fact, the stock will will. Uh, uh, the, the value of the stock will be its basis, which means that when, when your family members sell that stock, then they will only have gained to the extent it actually went up in value in their hands. So, you know, if it was worth $1,000 uh, when your mom died, then that $1,000 will be their basis in the stock. Um, the, but the, the retirement plans differ um, because, and that's something you probably need to talk to someone about, about how you want to structure that because. There's several ways you could do it. But when you get income out of a retirement plan, um, that income is taxable to the beneficiaries uh, because that was deferred compensation. It was never taxed to your mom. Um, I'm assuming it wasn't a Roth IRA or, or, or anything like that. And so there, there are pretty strict rules about who, um, how long you have to take out that money from that retirement plan and you have to pay tax on it. Uh, and so more likely than not, you're probably going to have to take it out over a 10-year period. And each year you take that out, there there will be tax on that, uh, that income there.
1: Fantastic. I think within legal terms and money talks, we can uh, cover lots of good questions about IRAs. Uh, so I encourage a lot of our listeners to check out the Money Talks podcasts also. We've got John on the road who's called us today. Be extra careful driving, John, but we're glad you've called in, too, in legal terms. What is your comment or question about the tax law?
4: Well, uh, first of all, I am driving hands-free. But my question is, when you buy stock over a period of 20, 25 years in the same company, and then you decide to sell it, how does one determine the original price that you bought it for,
3: if that makes sense? Oh, especially, to determine your John, that's profit. John, that's a great question. And that what you're talking about is how do you know what your basis is, because basis is what uh, you can get back from the stock tax-free because you've already paid tax uh, on, the, on the money or it's been subject to tax that you've invested in the stock. And when you bought it over 25 years, it's more complicated as you, as you suggested. I think what you're gonna have to do is, you, know, you, you may be able to pick and choose if you have actual stock certificates. So you know, sometimes you know, in the past, we would buy stock and they'd give us a certificate, you could say, I'm, okay, the certificates I'm selling are these, and these are the ones that I bought later on, And so I know what the price was on these, but more likely now people are buying uh, electronic funds. And I don't know if that's what you're doing or buying stocks electronically. And so you may not have specific shares that you're selling. And so that's something that uh, really, the truth is you're probably gonna sell it through uh, the company a lot of times uh, or through one of these online uh, services. Um, There's one called EQ, for example, and there's, uh, um, yeah, the other ones like that, that you would sell, and they should calculate your basis for you. They should help you out. Uh, but uh, you know, it's th- because they're going to know when you bought the stock and what the what the price was when you bought it from them. So they they should help you out. But it's one of those things that you might you might need an accountant to help you. That's a really good question because the value, you know, if you're buying it over time, you're going to have different uh, bases in the shares you're selling, um, and uh, fortunately, a lot of these electronic uh, uh, services will help you do that.
4: Okay, can I can I add to that one other question? Please when my do. mother passed, Please? when my mother passed away uh, several years ago, um, she had inherited. From when my father passed, uh, a number of shares in, in uh, one of the automakers that he had bought over the years while he was employed there. Uh, and again, this is probably going back 30 or 40 years. And this is run through computer share. Uh, should they be able to tell me what the basis price of their stock was?
3: They should. Now, I, are your parents still living? I, I missed that part, John.
4: No, they have both passed away.
3: All right. If you inherited their stock, then that the the day of death of the person you inherited the stock from will be the the value at that date of death will be your basis, and they should be able to okay. tell you that. They should be able to look that up and tell you that. That that makes it a little bit easier because then we're talking about one valuation at, at day to death as opposed to when you're buying stock over time yourself over 25 years. Then you got lots of different valuations you got to deal with. But um, it is much easier than it used to be because, because of these, uh, these companies should be able to track that down pretty easily.
4: Okay. Thank you very much.
3: My pleasure.
1: Thank you, John. We want to answer your questions. You can email them to us. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking about the tax code, getting ready for those 2021 filings. Is your W-4 up to date? What's a W-4? I'm going to remind you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
3: I'm Jen White with NPR. If you're fortunate enough to have collected a few classic cars over the years, here's a thought. Give them a new life by donating one or more to support this station. They'll be matched with interested buyers, collectors just like you, who know a great car when they see one. You free up some space in the garage, the classic car gets a new home, and proceeds support this station. It's a win-win. Thanks in advance.
0: Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org.
1: You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host, and he's the only expert host today. I'm Liz Gill. We do hope that you subscribe to our podcast, or you can find our sh- recorded shows at uh, MPB Think Radio. It's mpbonline.org slash radio. The IRS form w 4 Uh, wherever you work, they can give you a copy, is what lists out what you want withheld from the income you are due. So if you have multiple jobs or if your spouse and you both work or you receive income from other sources, you might want to make sure and take a closer look at your withholding. Because as we talked at the very beginning, you do not want to get an underpayment penalty. This morning, we are talking about filing your 2021 personal income taxes. We have a couple of calls. First, we're going to go to Memphis and talk with Martha. Martha, thank you so much for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question?
5: My question is has to do with taxing a financial gift to someone over the fourteen thousand that we're allowed tax-free. Barbara, uh,
3: Martha. That's, go, go ahead. ahead.
5: That's the, that's
3: the question, Martha. That's a great question. and I mean, you're really talking about the gift tax. Right. which is part of the wealth transfer tax and actually that amount is $15,000 for 2021 and it'll be $16,000 in 2022 what? if That's you cool. make a gift yeah so they're raising it but if yeah. you give a gift of uh, over that amount so let's say I gave one of my children uh next year $17,000 I would love right. that but if I gave them $17,000 I would have to report the one thousand additional amount on a form, uh, a gift tax uh, return, which is um, you know a, a form you can find on the IRS website um, uh, for gift tax. But you'd have to report that as a taxable gift. You wouldn't have to pay tax on it. Oh! In fact, you won't have to pay tax. Yeah, no. You just have to report it. Um, but and most people, most people don't, to be honest with you, most people don't yeah. know that they have to. But if you, if but the thing about it is. Unless you make total gifts during your lifetime and then have an estate um, you know, above and beyond the gifts that you gave right now for 2021, over $11 million, you don't have to worry about either the gift or the estate tax. Um, that could change. And in fact, in 2026, uh, you know, under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that was passed uh, by the previous administration, the amount will go down to $5 million. Which will still be plenty for most of us, oh, right? Sure, so, of very course. few people, yeah. You know, if I had so, $5 million
5: to pass on, I wouldn't complain about paying some taxes on it. That's the kind totally of
3: citizen
1: we want, Martha.
3: Well, that's exactly right, Martha. Thank you for that. But yeah, you, so just, you, you, I mean, the reason you filed that gift tax return is to show that you reported it, that the statute of limitations starts to run and they can't question anything that you reported after that three year period. So that's why, you know, that's probably the best thing to do. But people don't realize if you pay for your child's wedding and you pay more than that, that $15,000 amount, 16,000 next year, technically wow. you're making a gift. That's a gift because that's not part of your sure. natural support obligation. And people right. don't typically report those, but they they really are supposed to.
5: Well, that is such good news. I didn't know anything about that. I thought it was going to be taxed after that. It was pretty simple to figure out because I had I had 100 shares of Apple. It split four for one. Well, I have one son, and he's trying to build up his portfolio a little bit. And so I gave him 100. Well, that was just about 14000 anyway. And uh, then there have been other, uh, you know, financial things. Not. Uh, uh, not any huge estate I'm not, I'm not trying to hide or keep anything from the government but i did not know about just filing the statement that you had done that and there would not be taxes uh other That's thing right. now do the, does a receiver have to report anything
3: no that is considered a gifts are not income so uh, you know, that's the Internal Revenue Code at uh, Section 102 uh, it says that gifts and inheritance are not income. Uh, and really, I think part of that is because the government, if they had to keep track of every gift we made, every birthday present that we got in our lives, and every oh, gift that geez. we got, it would be impossible to keep up with. So they're excluded from income and there's, there's not a limitation on the value either. So even big gifts are excluded from income.
5: Wonderful. Thank
1: you so much.
3: My pleasure, Martha. Have a great day.
5: I will, and you. Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks, Martha. Now we're going to go to Hattiesburg and speak with Tommy. Tommy, we're so glad you've called in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question?
0: Uh, I have an LLC. I have rental property, and um, normally I buy a property pretty much every year and have a lot of expenses for writing off. But this year I didn't because I wanted to try to just save up money. Of course, Uncle Sam's going to see all that money. I want a big hunk of it. Would it be best to try to sell, uh, not sell, uh, pay off one of the properties that I have, and or buy and buy a vehicle, a second vehicle, or is that not really well, not help much?
3: Yeah, you know, really, real estate—it's not. You know, you might get some depreciation if you're if you're buying buildings, and so that's kind of a a little bit, uh, I mean, it's a really good question and probably one that you want to talk to your accountant about because they'll have your, or your lawyer about specifics because they can look at your specific thing. But generally speaking, yeah, if you buy a new property, if you buy real estate, you can take depreciation sometimes uh, with cars and things like that, you can write off the full amount. So if you need those things, then, then you can create a deduction with them. I always say, you know, it's not worth it if you don't really need them because you know, the highest tax bracket is in the, in the upper 30s, and that's you know, that's for people who are making over a half a billion dollars a year. So you're still spending money, uh, and if it's not something you need, then it really doesn't make sense to, to save taxes by buying something you don't need. But if you need it, I would say if you're going to really no, no, buy I'm, it, i pay, paying off paying off one of my properties, I'm not buying another one, paying off one before the end of the year. It's so, like, so, yeah, it's well, it, it just paying it off is not going to change. Uh, it's going to change the amount of equity you have in that property, but it's not going to. It's not going to be something that will give you a tax a tax write off, actually, because you're just going to. Spending uh, it. Your bait, yeah, because you're just you're just shifting from liability to equity does not, in fact, uh, have a tax consequence.
4: So only buying a vehicle may help.
3: Yeah, buying a new vehicle might help because you get depreciation. You can write it. You can expense it uh, potentially if it's part of your business. But if I if, if yeah. I just pay pay off a mortgage on a on a on a building that I own, I'm not I'm not really changing my tax uh, consequences because I, I, my basis will already include that that mortgage, and uh, my depreciation yeah. will already have been taken based on the full amount uh, with the mortgage. Included. So you really don't change anything. You're just shifting the equity. Um, you know, I, I I don't think that's going to help. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much. Appreciate it.
1: Thank my you, pleasure. Tommy. We appreciate you calling in. Okay, let's let's talk about some specific things that I can do that you can do to uh, reduce our taxes. So first, um, now lots of folks are doing the standard deduction. What, uh, what can you tell us about the standard deduction?
3: Well, the standard deduction uh, for 2021 is going to be uh, $25,100 for a married couple. That's up $300 from last year. And for single taxpayers and married individuals filing separately, the standard deduction is $12,550, uh, which is up $150 from last year. And that sound, that's good in this respect, is that we each get that deduction, whether we have any deductible expenses or not. The, the bad news is if I have deductible expenses, itemizable expenses, and I, but I don't have more than uh, $25,100 if I'm a married person, those expenses really don't help me because I was gonna get that standard deduction anyway. And so what it'll mean is fewer of us will be itemizing, which in some ways simplifies our taxes and simplifies the audit process because probably where people fudge maybe the most is on their itemized deductions. But on the other hand, you know, for a person, let's say, let's say my itemized itemized deductions are twenty six thousand um, dollars, and my standard deduction is twenty five thousand one hundred dollars, I'm only going to really. Uh, save an additional or, or deduct an additional amount of $900 over what I could have had, even if I had, didn't have those expenses. So um, fewer people itemize. And because of that, uh, you can't really itemize your charitable contributions, uh, typically, if you're, not under, if you're not above that uh, $25,100 amount for a married couple or $12,550 uh, for a single person. Um, And so if I've got, you know, if I typically would have been able to take uh, charitable contribution deductions, I'm not going to be able to do that unless my itemized deductions exceed uh, that amount. I will say that there was kind of a, and still is a special uh, non-itemized charitable deduction of up to $600 of cash contributions to charities that you can take on your 2021 return. So in addition to the standard deduction, that's that $600 amount. Uh, that does not include uh, household items or anything like that. It is they still have to be itemized. But if you give six hundred dollars to your to your, your your religious organization, to a museum, to the University of Mississippi, uh, that would be uh, that will be something you can deduct, even though you don't itemize.
1: Or the MPB Foundation.
3: Uh, no, I should know. have said that too. <laughs>
1: terms at mpbonline.org is where you can email us your questions. Education that's fun goes further, in my opinion. Where can you learn about taxes in a fun way? I'll tell you next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are most of our local shows. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. At 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays, following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. Now, if you haven't given up on social media yet... I just never read the comments. Um, I suggest that you follow at IRS News on Twitter. They have some cute uh, articles that were cute little images with puppies and kitties and teach you lots of little things about the IRS tax code. There's also at IRS Small Biz. At Recruitment IRS, for all you job seekers out there. At IRS Tax Security for tips on preventing identity theft. Uh, Everyday tech should make sure they should look at at- irs tax security about identity theft and there's also at irs tax pros for any tax pros out there like professor gershon who is telling us about uh, getting ready for the tax season we do have a call and we're going to go to mobile and speak with john john thank you so much for calling into in legal terms today what's your comment or question
2: uh thank you liz for taking my call um I uh, had my taxes done last year by the uh, volunteer services at the senior center, and my, um, the uh, information sent to the IRS included um, the legacy I received from my brother's IRS IRA account, uh, which I think was in a mutual fund, from a mutual fund um you may have already have handled this because um i think i sent it to you in an email months ago uh anyway the tax preparer said that i was to receive um uh, a complete refund or indicated that i might receive a complete refund of the 10 percent taxes i specified to the uh, uh sending the mutual fund uh in florida but i haven't received um any indication that it's being sent. I uh, provided the, um, what is it, the banking information, had it sent directly to um, the, um, had it sent directly to the bank. And um, I haven't received information about that tax refund at all. Uh, How do I track that down?
3: Yeah, one, and I, I know sometimes it's not that, I, I agree with Liz that the website is wonderful. I really like the IRS website. I, I recommend it to my students because there's a lot of good information there for both taxpayers and for people who are, um, you know, tax lawyers and accountants. Really great website. It, what's hard sometimes is to get in touch with them and call them, but I think that's, that's got to be a starting point or you could write them a letter or inquiry. Um, but you need to reach out to the IRS because I can't really tell you whether it would be, um, a refund why you would get a refund in that case because I have you know I haven't seen uh, you know what you were getting I if you got if you inherited an IRA um, then the payments from that IRA should uh, be taxable unless it was a Roth IRA um, and so um, that is something that your your tax professional can help you with or your financial advisor can help you with but um, the question also is, um, is that a distribution uh, that, that as opposed, are you supposed to be getting a distribution from the, from the uh, mutual fund as opposed to uh, something from the IRS? Because um, you know, that's something that, um, you know, they, there should be an inherited IRA account that was set up. Because uh, when you inherit somebody else's IRA, um, that's the first thing is you, you're going to own that then as beneficiary of that person um, as an inherited IRA. Uh, And so I would check with that and see if that's how they've got it, because, um, you know, you need to send a death certificate as well. You know, a lot of this is really about uh, your your brother's estate um, as much as 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 it is the IRS. So make sure that it really is a refund that you're supposed to get as opposed to some type of payment from the mutual fund themselves. Um, And those I can't answer.
2: Okay. All right. Thank you very much, then.
1: Thank you, John. We're having to do that. Uh, I'm learning lots of good tax things from having to, to deal with my mom. I, you know I learned that uh, once someone and there's there's different tax rules on if you inherit in an, an IRA if you're a spouse or if you're the same age as or within ten this, near the same age as the individual who you inherited it from. and then there's brand new rules, the Secure Act on how quickly you have to use up. The or take distributions from the IRA. It's not just a regular what is it? What's the RMD? What is RMD? Uh, required minimum required distribution. Required minimum yeah, yeah, yeah. distribution. That um,
3: exactly.
1: Yeah, inherited IRAs are uh, a whole new little thing that you have to learn about.
3: Yeah, and that's true whether it's an IRA or a retirement plan, uh, which might be somebody's employer retirement plan. Same thing. There, but the Secure Act now is making us actually take those payments out quicker than it used to be. It used to be, you could do it over the person's lifetime. Uh, so, uh, you know, if the, the person was a younger person in their twenties, they would have a long time to be withdrawing that money out of that IRA that they inherited. They shorten that time frame typically to ten years now. And so, Liz, I'm sorry you had to go through that, but you do learn a lot when you have to. When you need it, you learn it, right?
1: You do. Now about IRAs, I know. If you are eligible to contribute to an IRA, then you do get—in the past, you have gotten a, a tax deduction for that. Is that part of itemized deductions, or, st- or if you take the standard deduction, can you still get a deduction for contributions to an IRA plan?
3: You can, and that is that's that is um, one of the great benefits uh, for— Uh, contributions through an IRA. The IRS, by the way, has a great uh, link, a site that's uh, retirement topics and IRA contribution limits on right on the IRS website. And what's good about that is they change. They can change from year to year based on inflation and things like that. So when you have a doubt, check it out. But for 22, 2021 and 2020, um, the traditional IRA uh, limit was $6,000 or uh, $7,000 if you're 50 or older. They're trying to allow catch-ups for people who are older. Uh, but all of those depend on whether you have an employer plan too. So you have to make sure you're eligible, or you can't you can't also deduct those. Now my employer plan, uh, I put money in, my employer puts money in, those are pre-tax dollars. They're not even really deductible, they just aren't subject to tax. And that's why when I take them out, they're gonna be taxable. Uh, an IRA is treated somewhat that way. So the money you put in an IRA then, um, is deductible, uh, even, even if you don't itemize, because we want to encourage people to save for retirement. Uh, not enough people have in this country, and so the IRS uh, and, and the Tax laws, Congress has made it hopefully more approachable that we can do this. Um, the other thing is if you own your own business, you can set up something called an SEP, uh, which is a, 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 a SEP IRA, is what I, I refer to it as, a SEP IRA, which is a, a simple employee plan um, a simplified plan or employer plan, I should say. So if it's somebody runs their own business, they can set up that SEP and they can contribute a percentage of their, their income each year. So it's not limited to that 6,000 uh, or 7,000 if they're 50 or older. So uh, those are, um, those are uh, you know, good things to do. Uh, defer that income. It'll be taxable when you take it out um, and it can grow uh, tax deferred as well. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's a great way to put money aside for later when we, when we aren't working.
1: And you've talked about, I, I love this analogy, you've talked about IRAs and Roth IRAs like parking spots. How do you get into your parking spot? Do you head in or do you back in?
3: Exactly. And, and yeah, the Roth IRA is you pay the tax before you put it in the Roth IRA, and then it grows tax-free and you can take it out tax-free at the end. Um, but the IRS is, is, and Congress was betting that those were about the same. We're playing with house money. At the, we're playing against the house, I should say, at this point. So if I defer the tax, I'm not paying the tax on it now, and I have a regular IRA and I don't pay tax until later. They got to wait to collect that tax. If we pay the tax now, they're willing to then forgive the tax at the end, uh, even on the growth, because they've gotten the money up front, and with time value of money. It works out about the same, so it is like parking in. It's like backing in or or, or driving out. You know, backing into a space takes more work up front, and then you can easily get out at the end.
1: One quick question uh, before we run out of time: When you withdraw from an IRA, is it ju- are the earnings? taxed or does it also do both IRAs and Roth IRAs earnings grow tax fee free? It's just the uh, the amount you've deposited is taxed or not taxed.
3: No, it's the earnings on the IRA as well. So that's all been tax deferred. And so if I, if I invest a dollar today and it's worth $4 when I draw it out because it grew uh, from an IRA, then all $4 are taxable at that point. But but in the course of time I'm not having to pay tax on any of that growth, no dividends or anything like that in the IRA until I actually take it out. So that's the benefit. With the Roth, if I pay tax on the dollar today, but it's worth four dollars when I take it out, I don't have to pay tax on that four dollars at all.
1: Thank you, Professor Gershon. We'll we'll try to sneak in maybe another uh, tax show before April 18th, 2022, because it, it keeps him happy. Guys, I've got him on Zoom, and Professor Gershon has just a great big smile because he's having fun helping you learn about your taxes. Thank you to Java Chapman and Jay White for getting our show on the air. So for Professor Richard Gershon, who's having a pretty good Tuesday today, at the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. We hope you join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.